I'm excited about how technology is uh, being democratized, how it's plunging in cost. One of our missions is to positively impact one billion people. The relevance of a new technology to solving problems that affect like a billion people. All great stuff happens because someone inspires someone else to do something. The next wave of innovation is going to be eroding the territory. How's it, everybody? Welcome to 2021. Hope you had a great break in 2020 and that you are ready to take this year on with positivity and energy. These recordings of these podcasts were done during the lockdown period of our Exponential Africa live show. Hope you enjoy them. There's some amazing people on it. Uh, take a listen and learn something. Virtual reality is set to disrupt the way we work, play, are educated and socialize. The best part is that this, this will be the worst it ever gets. And the resolution, latency and experiences will continue to improve into the future. As virtual reality and augmented reality technologies mature and adoption increases, these exponential technologies are going to have the same impact on society as the internet have. I love Edgar Dale's cone of experience concept where he postulated that we remember a small percentage of what we read, a larger percentage of what we hear, and a much greater percentage of what we experience. VR and AR are immersive, and you learn by experiencing and by doing. If you've never experienced VR, I suggest you try, because you can make sure it's going to be a multi-trillion dollar industry. Mark Zuckerberg has proclaimed that he wants over a billion people using Oculus, which is ambitious, but still possible if VR and AR become the next major computing and com communication platforms. So tonight, we have Kathy Hackle, Dmitry Michalchuk, and Brian Afande. Kathy Hackle is a, is a leading female futurist and business strategist specializing in the impact emerging technologies like AR, VR, and AI, and, have, and ha are having on communications and business. In 2019 and, and, and 2018, LinkedIn recognized her as the top technology voices on the platform globally, its highest honor. Hackle has worked on enterprise strategy, innovation, communications, and develop, developer marketing strategy and business evangelism with brands like UPS, HTC Vive, Sony Pictures, Magic Leap, and Adobe. She's been shortlisted as Technology Evangelist of the Year 2020 by the Women in IT Awards and is working on her second book, The Augmented Workforce, How AR, AR, and 5G Will Impact Every Dollar You Make, coming in the fall of 2020. Kathy, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Um, I'm actually, my background's not as nice as yours, Mick. I'm actually uh, at a hotel on a beach vacation right now, socially distanced. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to be here and sharing some knowledge of the things I've worked on in the past and the things that are coming in the future. Thanks so much. I mean, we were together in Costa Rica in February before COVID hit and this whole lockdown. And we were having some amazing conversations around the future of spatial computing. You showed me the Magic Leap, the new Magic Leap device. We got to uh, experience it. Do you want to tell us a little bit about uh, what's coming in this space in terms of the spatial computing era? 
Yeah, I think you're, you know, obviously we're going to have a great conversation today regarding that. But what you're starting to see is that merging of the physical and the digital. Uh, you're starting to see an acceleration as well due to the, to the pandemic and everything that's happening of companies of all sizes, you know, um, adopting VR and AR. Uh, there's a company that I'm good friends with, for example, that's called LibreStream that just raised, I think, $54 million in one of their rounds. And they've grown in the past 12 months, uh, I think, by 300 uh, percent. And they offer an AR solution for, for manufacturing. So you're starting to see, you know, kind of an acceleration into the adoption of these technologies. And um, another thing, the event you showed with David Roberts in virtual reality, you're starting to see a lot more virtualized events, whether it is that John Legend concert or whether it's meetings uh, in virtual reality. That's also accelerating at quite a fast pace. Uh, one of the things that I see coming is, you know, you know, uh, travel budgets. Obviously, we're not traveling right now. But when we do get back to some, you know, some new future, some new normal, whatever you want to call it, um, budgets are going to be cut by companies. And, you know, I think a lot of people are going to uh, look for technologies like Beehive, uh, you know, or, or other virtual or augmented reality opportunities. And instead of the executive traveling for a meeting, they will put on their headset, whether in AR and VR, and have that meeting in, you know, realistic avatars. So, you know, it, it's a really interesting time um, because these technologies technologies are just being accelerated. And I think it's so incredible the way uh, the, the ecosystem is so vast and dynamic. I mean, some of the companies that we, we mentioned that you've worked with are these really large-scale um, beasts that can really you know, create massive impacts by, by embracing VR. But you also mentioned some of the, the, the smaller startups and, the, and these new-age companies. How are you seeing this whole ecosystem play out? I, I'm of the mind that the Facebooks and the Amazons of the future are being created right now, um, because as you explained, you know, what's happening is that uh, digital twin, that one-on-one -on -one digital uh, copy of the world is being created. And the reason this is important is because that's the way autonomous cars are going to have spatial reasoning to be able to fully drive autonomously. It's the way robots are going to be able to navigate the world. Um, you know, it's the way that eventually when we're wearing glasses, and I'm sure we're going to be talking about that, uh, when we're wearing glasses, that information will be, you know, it will know where to be present in reality in, in a specific location. So it's this, what it's called um, the metaverse or the AR cloud uh, facebook calls it live maps for example is is being created it's being established um and and it's it's going to lead to exponential growth uh so the mark zuckerbergs and the jeff bezos of, of the future are, are the people that are working uh you know creating these companies right now so uh it's a really exciting time you know for anyone in the industry or for i know there's young uh, young people watching the show there's a huge opportunity um to create something amazing no, thanks. We're going, to get, we're going to get a bit more into detail uh, when we head into our panel. It's a perfect segue into our next guest, who is Dmitry Michalchuk. Dmitry is the founder and co-founder of several tech companies and startups. He is also in charge of the London-based digital marketing agency. Previously, he worked with some of the world's leading chip and electronics manufacturers. Dmitry is an expert in electronics, haptics, wearables, robotics, and software development. He's at, he's at the top of the most influential people in the field of VR and AR, according to the Evening Standard UK. Dimitri is also passionate about space technologies. 
and he holds a master's degree in elect elect electronic engineering and computer science from the University of Surrey. Dimitri, thanks for being on the show. My pleasure. I was watching the news uh, that Umic uh, has just presented, and I thought, wow, I want to work there. I want, I want to work in the VR industry. But hey, I am already, so I'm happy. Yeah, so it's so, so great that you're joining us in from your offices in London. And we were, we were together also in Australia last year in October, where I got to try on your tester suit, and that just really blew my mind. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about the tester suit and, and your journey w uh, with it? So essentially, when we started in 2016, we decided to go uh, uh, a parallel route to, to the development of the VR headsets and augmented reality. And we decided to take care of the rest of the body. We foresaw that once everybody gets accustomed with the VR and with, with augmented reality, everybody will ask this question, how can I feel that virtual object? So we want to touch it. So first we created the suit, and then uh, this year at CES 2020, we've presented the new glove, uh, which will take care of the uh, sensations of uh, uh, sensing the object itself. So the glove will take care of uh, the shape and form of the object, and uh, with the haptical feedback, we provide sensations, uh, collision sensations with the rest of the digital world. So this is how we can identify and fully immerse the body uh, into the augmented or virtual reality and make sure we can do so, so many more things, you know, uh, like engineering, like uh, gaming. We're talking about a virtualized sport uh, or simply creating a full twin of a digital twin of a professional, for example, virtual coach and so on and so forth. So many other opportunities. I mean, uh, we're, yeah, we're not, it's, it's really incredible what you've done because the, the, the experience I tried it with you was the, the, I threw a grenade and I felt like the fire and the, and the, and the repercussions of, the, of, the, of the, the heat on my body, which I found really incredible. And I can just imagine, uh, you know, in terms of the training area for the army or for in, in South Africa specifically for the mining industry, you could really, you know, create a, an, an incredible training experience without having to have the risk or the danger of anyone getting hurt. Absolutely. Uh, Tesla suit products are very, very popular in what we call safe to fail environment training. Um, this is where we apply to all the critical training where uh, specific procedures have to be followed. Otherwise, there could be a disaster. And then in order to lead people through the fact that the disaster is actually developing right now in front of their eyes, so they learn how to act in a critical situation, uh, we can always provide this virtualized environment. We can control it. We can we can have a uh, a coach uh, overseeing it, and we can stop it at any point in time. But what's important is we teach people to live through uh, moments where they have to act fast and never hesitate. So we essentially train them to be super super people. It's absolutely amazing. So we're going to hear a bit more about that later. Let's move on to our next guest, Brian Afande. Brian is the co-founder and managing director of Black Rhino VR, an extended reality agency based in Nairobi. As an early African XR adopter, Brian holds a pe pe peculiar vision of designing, democratizing, and demystifying what extended reality XR and new emerging technologies will look like and how they will impact communities. Brian, thanks for being on the show. 
coming in all the way from Kenya. With uh, you guys are supposed to have the incredible internet, right? No, it's not an internet issue. I actually put it on news. <laughs> ah, <laughs> all good. Thanks for joining us. How are you doing? No, I'm all right, man. Uh, we're in Nairobi, and like you mentioned, um, we're busy trying to make sure that communities respond really well to the extended reality technology. How else do we get to deploy it in this context? So we're really passionate about this. As a small studio, we started out, of course, as a cinematic VR company. But over the years, we've been able to see how and understand the technology. And we're really passionate about building enterprise solutions so that uh, we can be able to at least pay our bills and at the same time building awareness around the potential of these technologies and building vibrant communities around it. So we not only work in, in Nairobi and East Africa, we've uh, worked on several projects within the continent as well and, and globally. I mean, it's such an exciting space and I, I think your name is, is an incredible name because you know, what, what you can do in terms of conservation, like we saw with Habitat, uh, with you know trying to trying to raise awareness for the black rhino, um, what are some of the projects you guys have been working on that's that's been exciting uh, across Africa? I think right now I mentioned this project is an intervention we are working with the Kenyan government right now, and because of COVID being now um, a catalyst to tech adoption, so we decided to create a virtual tour that people will be able to actually go into a platform and have a live safari. So you'd be able to book for your safari time, whether or not it's a morning game drive or the evening game drive, and you can be able to actually go through it. And what is surprising, what is really surprising about this whole concept is the fact that the government is really open to these interventions and the technology itself. So we're really happy to be in this space because we're able to talk to different people, whether or not they're like governments or different corporates, so the idea of us creating these experiences that people can be able to be in a space and enjoy uh, 360 experiences of animals and such things, it's very important for us to do this kind of work. Uh, one of the projects we did in South Africa was a collaboration between uh, Black Rhino and Oculus. And it was based, it was an experience, it was a cinematic experience based on um, a child in Cape Town and how he's gotten out of the streets and how art has gotten them out of the streets. It's a beautiful experience. And the, the idea of traveling around, just creating cinematic experiences and talking to different vibrant communities and finding how best you can bring all those silos together, either through leveraging on the cinematic VR experiences or also picking up other, um, other, other, other technologies within the extended reality spectrum. So we're really happy about such uh, projects and interventions. No, it's really exciting. And, and, and uh, I spoke to Regina Njima, who's our Singularity U Kenya um, partner in, in Nairobi. And she says she's working with you, which is quite exciting, for the, for the upcoming summit in Kenya. Um, so we, we're going we're gonna, to yeah. uh, jump into our main panel and, uh, and, and get into some of the Q&A with the guests. So um, let's let's start with a, quite a big question, and uh, let's let's go to Kathy. Uh, Kathy, one of our questions is: Why does VR and AR, spatial computing, change everything? It's it's really interesting because you you know if you follow the history of the AR and VR industry, we've had moments where a lot of people were excited about it and then died down and everything. I think that right now. 
Uh, connectivity is getting better with 5G and speeds to come. The technology is advancing. For example, the Oculus Quest you have there uh, is untethered. It has hand tracking. I mean, the technology is just going so fast. It, it changes everything because it allows us to to really experience things in a totally different way. Uh, it will allow us also to eventually give up, you know, these, you know, these rectangles in our hands and the rectangles we, we, you know, we have in our, in our, in our walls or on top of our desks and be able to engage with digital information in our reality. And I think that that's very impactful. Um, I always think about it, you know, when I think about teenagers looking down at their phones, you know, they're always looking down. Um, once we're able to have the technology, um, especially augmented reality, be glasses and be something, you know, I call the call it the Ray-Ban moment. Once we're able to have that up here, um, I'm going to be able to sit at the dinner table and have a conversation with my teen. Um, but, you know, we'll be, we're going to be looking at each other's eyes. Yeah, there will be information and data, but I feel like we're going to be back um, to a more human way of engaging with technology and engaging with each other. So um, and it's a long way to answer your question. No, that was a great answer. Uh, does it, it, Brian, do you want to add to that at all? No, she said it really well. Just the idea of, of building those two worlds and creating, some of these things are going to be obsolete, like mobile phones, but we also have to look at the bigger picture of what's happening in terms of also creating the infrastructure. It just doesn't happen, especially in the African context. It would happen by magic. So we have to build the right infrastructure. So I think between what's happening in the West and Africa, there's two different realities of things. But I guess as an early adopter right now in, in Africa, it's very critical for us to think about the future of it and how and what all we're going to play with it. So in terms of, like I said before, when we're building all those uh, communities, then we need to sit down and build infrastructure together so that it's possible for us not to render something like the mobile phone useless in Africa, because this is life in Africa. So how do we even create that technology to leverage on the computing power of the mobile phone while still at the same time creating immersive experiences around it? So yeah, we look at things from different lenses, but more or less building the physical and virtual worlds is a reality. I, th I think that's so important for us to build out these infrastructures. And just like the Tesla suit, I would call that, it's like a unique infrastructure to get you to uh, get to feel within uh, virtual reality or, or, or virtual worlds. Uh, Dimitri, why is it such a good time now to dive deeper into this tech, especially since COVID? Well, to begin with, uh, uh, now is the time when uh, the general population is getting accustomed to more digitalized way of uh, conducting business. We're talking about uh, e-commerce, where now the internet is finally fast enough to support 4K, 8K tra transmission. Uh, talking about infrastructure itself. And then when we're looking beyond that, beyond the uh, visual transmission, we then need to think, how can we, uh, once we've created the digital world, how can we take everything that's available in the real world and bring it over? Because we still need our sensations. We still need to interact with the objects, even though they're virtual. Uh, and we still need to communicate between each other. So creating that sensation of touch being remote especially in, in in the times of covid it becomes apparent we still want to communicate we still want to have body language it's a lot easier when we see each other than when we just hear each other for example me spending tons of time on uh, on zoom for instance and other messengers 
when I don't see the person, it's it's a lot harder to even understand what, what we're talking about, to so stay focused, for instance. But imagine if we could exchange the objects, we could collaborate on the same uh, car concept design, things like that. If we wanted to pick up uh, some shopping and we actually wanted to have a look at it, uh, digitalized or not, uh, we still need a lot of information to be processed before we make a decision. So it is important that we have all of the sensations and all of the visuals from the real world transported into digital world. And that's how we essentially erase the boundaries between the real and virtual. And that's how we bridge the, bridge the two. And suddenly uh, it becomes, you know, certain models are becoming viable. We're working with aerospace, for instance, taking on earth sensations into the International Space Station is our next plan next year. Uh, we're already working on that. And uh, uh, certain models, uh, virtualized models of how to work with the equipment that costs tens of millions of dollars, for example, before it's been shipped, uh, we can allow to break it. And that's important. It doesn't cost a penny in virtual environments. So it's all fun. It's just such an exciting space. I think, I think you know, if we, if we think about in terms of the, the, the social environment is another aspect of how we actually socialize with each other. Um, you know, Kathy, do you think this can bring humanity closer even in this time of social distancing, if we can socialize and feel like we're uh, at, in the same space? I definitely think it can. So I am, I am like many of you, I am a, the type of person that I get my energy from people. So when I go to conferences and events, it's just a moment to re-energize and connect with, you know, and just get re-energized. And um, one of the things I've done through during the pandemic is I've spent a lot of time in social VR uh, with friends. So I feel like we're in the same place because you have that feeling, you know, that sense of presence, let's say. So, um, you know, even though my friends could be all around the world, we put on our headsets, and even though we see our avatars, we do feel that sense of presence. And I feel like, okay, I'm getting that energy from people again. Um, even at, at Magic Leap, one of the things that we did during the pandemic was hold our, for our, for our sales team, our weekly sales meetings. We would uh, put on our augmented reality headsets and go into something called spatial and hold meetings, um, you know, in, in, in augmented reality. So basically what you would see is these realistic avatars of my colleagues. I posted a video on LinkedIn not too long ago and a lot of people asked questions. It was really interesting. One of the funny things that happened, Nick, and I'll share this quickly, is um, I was in my office having a meeting in spatial and my daughter came in and she was like, who are you talking to? And I took the headset off, I put it on her and all of a sudden she sees about 10 or 15 of my colleagues in a spreadsheet in my office and she's like, oh, okay, I totally get it, mommy, go back to work. Um, so it was a really interesting thing for me to watch that where it totally made sense to her. Wow, it's so exciting. And I think, you know, the, 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 what's interesting is that you get two types of this uh, virtual reality environment. You get the environment that's completely animated and recreated, and then you get the environments like you're creating, Brian, in, uh, in, with 360 video, where you actually get to experience the, the real world. I almost think there might be a time when we're going to merge both of those and we're going to be living in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Brian, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah. There's, of course, there's pros and cons of where we're going with the future. It's a, it's a bit scary, though. You know, when you think about it, human beings are the connecting link between the physical and the digital ones. And if we're the connecting link, then it reaches a point where it's going to be okay for you to be in this environment with other people socially, but think about the people you're with in 
in your particular environment. There's going to be a lot of antisocial stuff also going on, as much as it is going to be a, a social platforms and different avatars. So we really need to be wary as to the adverse effects of this technology as well. As much as it's working for good, there's also a downside of it. And we have to be cognizant to the fact that as much as we are getting into the tech adoptive part of it, we also need to sensitize people about what are some of the pitfalls that this technology can bring. So we're really looking at it from a very conscious perspective to understand how best, and just to let you guys know, part of our mandatory and part of the, the culture that we are trying to create is using the technology for good. And how do you start, how do you start deploying it in this different context and using it for good? Because I see the future is very bright for it, but I don't want it to be in such a way that my wife and kids will be in the house and say, Papa is always working on this thing, we never see him just because I'm in this environment. So it has an upside and downside as well, and we have to be careful about it. Now, I think that's such an important point. At, at Singularity, one of our main objectives is try, to try to create a positive future that we all want to live in and to solve some of the big challenges that we have in, in the world. And we say it's really up to us. We can either create, you can use fire to either create a warmth or you can use it to burn down a house or something. So it's really up to us to use this technology for good, like you say. Um, yeah. Dimitri, I want to I move into a bit of a different space, talking about uh, the Tesla suit and, and where it's going. And, you know, this whole idea of uploading our digital consciousness into the cloud and being able to experience, uh, you know, haptic touch in these, in these uh, digital experiences. Do you, you want to just explain that a bit more? And where do you think that's going? Well, we know from, from the previous experience that the first sensation that we actually feel as babies when we're born is the warm hands of first the doctor and then our, our mother. So that's the first sensation. So biologically, we're programmed to uh, respond to the touch uh, in a very positive way. It actually excites a lot of uh, neurons in our brain, It actually, uh, which reduces in its turn uh, uh, a lot of possible diseases and, and actually improves our, our general resistance to many, many uh, uh, problems. So essentially touch is very important for us. And with this society, like modern society, where people are becoming, you know, more uh, uh, segregated, separated uh, when we work in, in say, city, uh, very fast pace, we don't get enough hugs, for instance. So that social aspect is being broken and we're distant, distancing ourselves even, even without the COVID itself. Yet, uh, we can still get that back. We can still bring the very simple sense of touch. And the sense of touch actually uh, uh, makes many other things possible. Many other things are activating in our body. Uh, for example, the, one of the projects that we're working with uh, space agencies, for instance, the current project that we're uh, working on, is solving a problem of having on Earth sensations on the orbit or in the long-term uh, space flight. The reason uh, why this is important is that uh, continuous touch will reduce uh, the loss of, uh, or will, will actually slow down the loss of calcium in our skin, so the skin doesn't degrade as fast. Uh, it will also help us reduce the uh, uh, loss of muscular mass when we're in a complete zero gravity things like that. Uh, so this is why touch is important. And this is what we decided to bring into the experience itself first on Earth. Um, we provide capability, essentially, to uh, communicate between each other in a natural way. 
And at the same time, uh, not having a sort of shallow, empty experience, we still need to communicate or, or uh, connect with objects. Otherwise, the whole experience, it will have a wow effect at first, but we, we kind of uh, understood that after uh, after a certain period of time, we still want to have that same effect as we do in real life. So touch is important by itself, but we're not stopping there. Um, Tesla Suite also provides biometrical feedback, so we can understand how the touch is actually affecting people in digital environments. So we can uh, we can tweak the actual environment to better suit the user. We can uh, in, uh, increase the intensity or decrease the intensity depending on how the person feels towards that uh, specific experience and so on and so forth. And then we can study better uh, the effects and, and uh, further kind of issues that may arise from us being fully immersed in, uh, in the environment and actually making sure that the environment is safe for the user. Like we're thinking about parental control, for instance, before we dive into uh, letting kids roam the digital space on their own, we need to understand it better. We need to put the, the specific safeguards, for instance, in the space. So, uh, so we avoid many issues that could come with the technology. As you rightfully said, fire can be used for warmth or it can be used to burn down the building. So we have to be aware of that and we have to be mindful. And um, I want to ask you, Kathy, around, around the idea of uh, uploading our brains into the cloud and living forever um, and how that will work with haptic touch and that sort of thing. You know, there's that show Upload. Um, that, that sort of pursues that idea. Well, what do you think about that? You write a lot about that, I read. Uh. Yeah, um, I was actually interviewed as a futurist by Amazon Video um, uh, for, for the series. They did an episode called Ask a Futurist, and I was part of the, uh, part of the folks um, included in that. So very, uh, very, very involved. I've also been thinking a lot about it. Uh, I'm a contributor to Forbes, and I've been writing about some of these things. For example, in my latest... One of my latest articles, I uh, introduced people to 10 companies working to read your thoughts uh, and even your pets and even that of uh, those of your pets. Um, and there's one company in there called Nectome uh, that actually is working on preserving, preserving fresh brains uh, to be able to upload your information later on. And I guess we bought be brought back in a digital form of some sort with your memories and your, you know, in your memories and your personality, etc. Um, so yeah, even though it is a sci-fi comedy upload, it was a sci-fi comedy, there are companies working on potentially allowing us to upload our brains into the cloud. I mean, you've got Elon Musk as well working with Neuralink. That's more invasive because it's, uh, you know, it's an actual implant. Um, but yeah, it's it, my thoughts about that, Mick, are that it's no longer science fiction, it's science fact. And while we don't have the capability to upload ourselves into the cloud yet, um, there's definitely people out there trying to crack the code and potentially get that to happen. So, you know, it's a singularity in some ways. Thanks for that. Uh, we, we're going to move on to the next, next part of the show where we're going to open it up to live questions. And we've got a huge amount of questions that are coming through. We're going to start off with uh, a question from Ged Howard. Um, he asks, do you think there is a place for mixing VR with live events and still create a cohesive experience? Can we create a cohesive experience with live events and using VR? Um, Brian, let's, let's uh, kick it off. Do you want to kick it off? 
Yeah, sure thing, because I like that question because this is exactly what we're doing right now in Nairobi. Trying to see how best we can create that environment where people can be immersed live, but still make sure that we're, we're, we're mixing with, uh, with superimposition or an extended reality of what exactly is happening around you. It, just, it is definitely possible. And um, I think there are platforms that can actually allow you to do that. I haven't used the magic clip, and maybe maybe Kathy uh, would be able to to let us know on that. But I believe with the magic clip, you can be able to do that. Um, um, Apple just acquired a company called NextVR, who are into live ga uh, live gaming, and I believe probably in future this is one of the things that they'll be trying to do. But right now, we're currently working on a project like this in Nairobi that will ensure that that is happening. But we are also consulting a lot of people from the West in terms of building that platform. Kathy, what's your take on that? Yeah, I think it's it brings a lot of value and it could be a different type of experience. So I, I'm all for making it cross-platform. So if an experience is in VR, allowing people to, uh, to experience it in, in their desktop as well, um, this is where I think it gets really interesting, and I talk a lot about this. For example, with esports, when you're watching esports, a lot of people get into it. They're watching their gamers play. Uh, if you're watching VR virtual reality esports, it's a little bit different because you're watching the players doing their thing, but you're not really getting into the action. So, where I think it's going to be really interesting, and I think Tesla Suit in some ways um, is part of this, is creating that immersive spectating. That's what I call it immersive spectating. So, if you think of live events, and how you know you can create that immersive spectating experience for people when they put the headset on or when they're on the desktop and allowing them to be more immersed and actually participate in some way, I think that's where it gets really exciting really fast. Thanks. And Dimitri, I don't know if you heard that question, if you want to add to that at all. Well, we've already participated in an activation uh, with uh, Vodafone uh, UK and uh, a rugby team. This is where we simulated a tackle where the tackle dummy was located 100 miles away from the person on stage wearing the Tesla suit. Literally, did he know that uh, the last person to tackle will be the biggest team player uh, who he could stand against? And obviously, the team player has managed to knock him off the, his feet. Um, that opens up an idea for when we can digitalize the, the actual stadium, the, the actual playing area, and have the clothing transmit the, the avatar of actual players, and us then being able, with the use of AR or VR, to place ourselves uh, at any point of the field to actually spectate that. And we can actually allow uh, the sensations to be transmitted or just disconnected altogether. But nevertheless, we, we could have a view from any point on the field, which would be super cool. It opens up uh, so many opportunities for mixing the real uh, live events with a digitalized kind of uh, spectatorship. And as far as I know, a digital spectatorship now uh, is growing faster than actual, uh, for example, esports. Uh, in in esports itself, the digital spectatorship is already bringing more money, I think, than uh, in the gaming itself. So yeah, that's certainly a future. I think that is very exciting because, especially, I'm a person, I'm a big gamer, and uh, when when we're playing games in a tester suit, you're going to be working out quite a bit. So our gamers are going to be fit, healthy, and uh, and able. Thanks to the Tesla suit in the yeah. future. Uh, we're going to move on to our next question from Nilio De Freitas. And Nilio is asking, uh, Kathy, maybe if you can answer this one. Microsoft has been working on mixed reality. 
How does this play within the VR AR mix space? Okay, so now that I don't work for Magic Leap, I can answer that question uh, <laughs> before I couldn't. Um, I think it's really interesting because Microsoft is such a part of the business ecosystem. So if you look at what they're doing with cloud, with Azure um, and everything, you think about this digital one-to-one -one map of the world and you think about you know where the cloud where cloud computing is going with the where the ar cloud is going um it's going to be a really interesting combination there for cloud computing players so whoever's in cloud computing is also looking at this air cloud in this metaverse where the digital information is going to li li live um so yeah there's a component there there's a convergence there and it's definitely interesting. I mean, if you look at Microsoft's uh, play with uh, with the HoloLens, it's always been presented as an enterprise product. Uh, they know this is not a consumer-ready product, at least not yet. So they've been very, very um, smart in you know in creating that and you know having that be an enterprise product that very much aligns in some ways with their Azure product and that side of the enterprise. So you're going to see a lot of growth, a lot of competition, I think as well. Um, you know, in, in when we get to that metaverse, that AR cloud. No, awesome. Thanks. Thanks for that. Uh, we've got a question from Tim Merriweather, where, you know, a lot of these devices, as you mentioned, the HoloLens are quite, um, are quite expensive. Brian, do you want to um, answer this one? Tim's asking, what's a good entry level kit to get started? How do you get into VR? What, like, what's the, 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 the first step in? First question would be where exactly is Tim from? Is it in Africa, Europe, or in States? Because depending if you're in Africa, you have your VR boxes. They might not be as robust. The form factor is not, of course, as good as what you have, like the Oculus Go or or something like a six-dot system, like uh, what you're having with you, man. Like um, it's it's very specific according to also your your budget. So depending if you have a mobile phone and you want something that is just a, a system that will allow you to consume the content as opposed to interacting with it, you could probably use one of these uh, Chinese cardboards. Like here in, in Nairobi, we have those cardboards. But if you're looking for a really good system from a 3 dot system going up, you have, of course, the Oculus Go, which has recently been discontinued by Oculus. And then you have something like a 6 dot system, which is a six degrees of freedom system that allows you to really have freedom within an environment, that would actually cost you around 400 bucks. So it entirely depends on what exactly, what head-mounted display unit that fits your pocket and your needs. Thanks so much. So Dimitri, do you want to add to that? What are some of the entry-level well, ways of yeah, getting I into yeah, completely agree with Brian. Depending on what uh, what the pocket size is, you know, we can start from uh, a basic cardboard. It's already programming. At least you'll learn how to code, how to understand the uh, um, the interfaces itself, so user user experience, how to have the mechanics built in, and then you can progress from there to uh, either standalone headsets that would save you on an expensive gaming laptop that you would otherwise require. So the companies like Pico VR and, and uh, Oculus are good, good starting kind of entry point uh, headsets. They provide fully standalone uh, capability. Pico VR just recently released a, a headset for $750 that uh, allows for eye tracking as well. If you want to go more advanced, 
Uh, this is going to be used uh, uh, next year quite extensively, I, I, I have a feeling. So yeah, um, depending on uh, how much you, you want to spend, uh, all of them are good. Uh, and the very least, if you're trying to s jump on the VR programming itself, programming is the key word. So <laughs> this is where one needs to be uh, focusing in the moment. It's such an incredible ecosystem. Uh, you know, there's so many different parts to the VR and AR world. You can be in the, 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 the devices, in the hardware, in the software, uh, in the content production. It's just such an incredible space. Um, we're going to move, but, you know, in South Africa, we've got a question from Katrin Krubler, where we've got a bit of an inequality gap, quite a, quite a large inequality gap, and especially with COVID. How can we, as SA, upskill ourselves and get involved to ensure we take our consumers, people with us? Some are still trading bread for dates in the township. So how do we get this into people's hands so that they can access it, embrace this technology, and then thrive by using it? Uh, may I please take this because this is really personal for me. <laughs> sure. Yeah, so for the first time I was in the States and uh, I was attending the um, Oculus Connect and I just realized that there's a huge disparity of women in the playing field of VR. And, I, and it's so saddening that when I left Kenya going to the States, I actually thought that I'm coming to a really matured market and I'll find a lot of players being women in the field. But the truth is that there's a, there a huge disparity of women. So when you're talking about how do we upskill up ourselves and how do we create a sense of, um, a sense of bridging, that, um, um, bridging that male and, and female kind of um, uh, ratio, I think it's very important, number one, to make sure that the, the technology is not only democratized, it's also demystified to the people for them to understand and trust it. It's very important for us to trust the technology. So if we demystify it in such a way that these people in the local communities are able to understand it, whether or not, even if it's in South Africa, it's using desktop VR, for them to know how it, they, they can use it. And then another thing is making sure that within the value chain of VR, making sure that women play a, a, a bigger role in the, in the whole value chain. Whether or not it's in a production perspective or a consumption perspective, it's very important that we, we try to bridge that gap. I think that the future of where we are going to, we really need to consider that, especially the fact that it's become such a male-dominated uh, industry. I don't know if I answered that question, but this is, this is one of the projects we are doing right now, which is a school for women, and, and it's, it's an old school for women, and we are getting them through VR for journalism from the, all the way from pre-production to, uh, to post. So I don't know if I answered the question, but I really feel that in terms of upskilling, the early adopters in virtual reality need to showcase and create platforms for women to take part in it. I don't know if I answered that question. No, I love, I love that answer. We need more Kathy Hackles in the world. Uh, Kathy, <laughs> yeah. do you want to add to that? Yeah, I, I do want to add to that. I think that, you know, while we do need more women in AR and VR, we do have a strong core group of women. Um, I think we need more women in leadership in XR and VR organizations for sure. So I definitely echo Brian's uh, sentiment there. Um, you know, one of the things I've done personally is, you know, I'm, you know, I'm the type of talk to talk, walk the walk kind of person is I created the Kathy Hackle Scholarship for Women 
this year um and it's pretty much a scholarship i give one woman i give her a membership to the vrar association and i give her mentorship throughout the year and when i opened up the application process you know i didn't i was expecting about 30 you know 30 submissions we got 90 submissions of women wanting this opportunity so that to me signals like brian said we need more opportunities like this more ability for more women to come into the industry be successful and have more access no thanks for sharing that i think that that is it's hugely important uh to what you've just done and uh, incredible on your part we've got a really interesting question from giant mystery um, who's asking is there any research being done with special needs kids i have a son that is very sensory and i would expect this technology to, to assist him with his autism um dimitri do you want to do you want to start off answering this one Yes. Um, well, we on, on our side, we're actually conducting a lot of different uh, streams of research uh, for the Tesla suit is very, very much applicable to medical rehabilitation, uh, chronic pain disease and uh, rehabilitation of uh, uh, specific conditions. So, yes, electrical stimulation is known to be used for uh, rehabilitating uh, the conditions that the um, with, with special needs. Uh, in autism, we're looking at how VR, first we started with uh, looking at how VR itself, the visual, can help us out, and there is good results. I know that there was a research uh, for, for the visual part itself. And then we're, we're thinking about uh, using a very mild electrical stimulation for it activates, activates the, the neural, uh, uh, neural connect connections uh, in our body, in our brain, and at the same time, it helps training the neural elasticity. So, so the brain is actually allocating more memory and allocating more focus to whatever the person is going, the, the, to the experience itself that the person is going through. Um, what's even better that uh, Tesla suit can work uh, as a standalone unit because it's a wearable computer essentially uh, with full feedback uh, and full record of what the person psychologically is going through. So psycho, psychoanalysis is possible and uh, we're actually trying to advance uh, our development towards uh, closer to towards the medical field as well. Unfortunately, we can't claim anything for for anything that we call claim to be medical medically fit takes years to uh, get approval for. Uh, but we are very strong. We have connections with more than forty universities worldwide. And uh, I'm, I'm hoping that soon. Uh, I mean, we're talking about a couple of years, three years time from now. We will be able to offer products uh, that would actually be uh, medically certified and help the society to rehabilitate. Thanks. I really just love hearing uh, these these well-informed answers. Uh, Kathy, do you want to add to that? Yeah. So at Magic Leap, we actually did work with the Dan Marino Foundation, where we use the augmented reality headset. We put it on uh, young men and women with autism and help them through augmented reality to practice for job interviews. So they would put the headset on and sit and they would see uh, a virtual avatar, a virtual human uh, in front of them interviewing them. So we're preparing them to practice for an interview process. And um, that was, you know, that has been a really interesting project. It's been very successful, very, um, you know, welcomed by the autism community. Uh, so yeah, you know, there's definitely work being done to use these technologies to help people with sensory disorders. Thanks. And uh, just, just one last point on this. Where, where can somebody go find out about this? Uh, where, where can uh, Giant go find out about this? 
essentially, Tessosit has a blog. Oh. Or a, sorry, about about where she can uh, um, find out about VR for AR for autism. Yeah, Katie, that's for you. <laughs> Well, no, definitely Tesla. I think they can go to Tesla. Uh, what's your website for Tesla Suit? It's uh, teslasuit.io, uh, and we have a blog where we tend to post. And we're going to have a microsite for medical research. So that's going to be a separate, uh, specifically uh, uh, formulated uh, website uh, made by doctors for the public and for research facilities as well to take take uh, uh, to connect with us and uh, help us out to conduct this research. Uh, we'll announce it on our blog anyway. So teslasuit.io slash blog, that's where we post uh, all the news and, and very useful advice on VR, AR, and everything else in this world, the digital world. Brilliant. Thanks so much for that. We're going to move on to uh, one of our last questions coming from Mark Nasilla. Uh, do you think AR, VR will make it easy for society to access basic services, such as medical services, education, and communication at affordable costs? Uh, Brian, do you want to do you want to kick this off? Uh, we've lost your sound. Right, let's move over to Kathy. Um, while we get Brian back on, I, I can definitely jump on this one. Um, I think it will, especially if you look at telehealth and the opportunity that lies there with being able to, you know, um, have your doctor. Uh, look at you in virtual reality or augmented reality. Um, definitely very interesting. Um, and you know me, Mick, you know, I always go a step further. I'm out there in the fringe. Uh, one of the really, one of the most interesting things I've seen lately is um, NTT Docomo, which is a telecom company out of Japan, has a research arm called NTT Research. And they're investing, I think it's $200 million US dollars um, to create, to use digital twins of people in artificial intelligence uh, to make create create these digital twins of their bodies and their organs and everything inside and using artificial intelligence test um, test uh, you know uh, treatments that are not available yet uh, and see how their body could react using artificial intelligence so they're not actually doing this these tests on a real human they're doing them on their digital twin so I think that that's something really exciting. That is incredible, uh, Brian. I think we got you back. Do, do you want to? Do you want to uh, answer this question? Yes, I'm back. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I think I don't know in terms of I don't know how, about how accessing basic human needs, but I know education is a huge thing, man. Uh, just by the fact that you can be able to allow it bridges the gap between educators and learners, especially because right now people cannot really travel and stuff. So bringing those two representations of the learners and educators in a platform, for instance, if the students want to go for a, a trip to a specific um, uh, ecosystem and they can't go through you know, your normal means, they can, be, of course, they can of course go through the immersive technology. So I think for education, it plays a huge need. And I don't know about accessing the other, uh, the other basic human needs, but I think for education, this is where I feel that it's one of the things that uh, virtual reality also used to pivot its strength. No, thanks so much. I think we've we run we've run out of time. We've got a whole bunch of questions still still popping in. I just uh, let let's end off with each of you just giving a bit of a closing statement. Where can people go and download applications? How do you learn about VR? Um, you know, how do you get involved? L let's start off with the lady Kathy. 
Uh, yeah, you know, definitely. I mean, I try to share a lot of information on LinkedIn on all the latest technologies I test. I feel like I'm a guinea pig for a lot of these technologies. So I, you know, I, I share a lot of information on my LinkedIn, which is LinkedIn slash IN, IN slash Kathy Hackles. So follow me there. I'm also a contributor to Forbes. So we can go to Forbes and find my name there. Um, and also on my Twitter and yeah, I just think there's so many, so many amazing things happening. And I want to add one last thing as a closing statement um, with the last question related to access and democratizing some of these things. So normally, you know, when you think about education and Brian brought this up, we think about, you know, you, when you go to a certain school, you have access to certain types of teachers and some of the best teachers. But I look forward to the day when children can put on a VR headset anywhere in the world, whether it's cardboard or a Quest and be able to go into VR and learn physics from Einstein and learn philosophy from Plato or chemistry from Marie Curie. And they all are, they're all going to have access to the best teachers in the world because of these technologies. So powerful. Can't wait for that, for those, uh, for that day to come, which should be pretty soon. Uh, Dimitri, over to you. Yes. Um, well, we, we uh, me personally, actually, I'm touring a lot of events uh, throughout the year, so we can connect at any of the bigger events. Well, Mick and, uh, Mick and us, we, we were going to do something in South Africa. So uh, hopefully we'll be able to uh, create these uh, learning centers uh, throughout the globe. And essentially uh, thinking about and, and voicing what uh, uh, Mark Zuckerberg was saying that uh, uh, he wants one billion in in VR uh, uh, next year or onwards. I can see that the other three billion uh, could, if if they receive the headsets, uh, could actually take it much faster, much further, because it would def definitely provide access to telemedicine, to education, which would then self balance, and we we can uh, tap onto talent which is hidden in Africa, which is hidden in remote locations where people have uh, difficulties accessing. Uh, basic uh, basic internet, for example, and and through that we could uh, bring out all the talent and and see new advancements even faster than we we have it today. So really looking forward to it. No, thanks so much. I mean, we're such tactile, visual human beings that uh, this is going to create Absolutely. you know the next wave of uh, of evolution for humanity. Uh, Brian, over to you for your closing statement. Um, yeah, I just wanted to say that it, it's very important from an African context, especially to understand that virtual reality and extended reality is still considered largely as nascent technology. So whether or not there are already people, protagonists or people within the business or within creating uh, enterprises solutions for this, there is still a lot of space for growth and collaboration especially by working with a lot of people in the in the west in terms of bridging the knowledge gap bring back that information not only can it impact communities positively it can also change lives in terms of creating value within the society so i just want to say if there's any young person watching this show right now this is not a flooded business as it is it's not saturated there's a lot of opportunities for you to be part of the players in the industry and it only takes for you to just say, you're going to send an email to Black Rhino, we are present in Nairobi, or we work within the email, or there's a huge community of people, whether or not it's in my uh, the community in South Africa, in West Africa, or North Africa, 
There's a vibrant community that is open and able to bring in people for us to learn together. It's still largely considered a nascent. So please feel free to just engage further with anyone within the community or the panel here. And, and of course, you can reach me personally on my LinkedIn page or on uh, send us an email on Black Rhino VR. We are part of this huge community of, of VR enthusiasts. And I'm just thrilled to see that there's a lot of youth, especially right now within the culture and creative industries that are looking at extended reality as a strength in future. So I'm very happy to know that. No, thanks, thanks so much for that. Uh, up next, we have my favorite part of the show where we show our gratitude and share the tech love. Tonight, we're going to be giving away some awesome prizes, a VR immersion, and then we have a great performance from the amazing level shot right here in the man-made studios. Thanks so much to our panel. It's been a real pleasure having you all here today. We're going to be following all of your progress on all of the various platforms, and we're looking forward to having another session in VR with all of you. Thanks for your knowledge and for your positive impact that you're all making in the world. We're grateful and we appreciate that you're able to share this time with us. That's all we have time for today. I hope you really enjoyed that. Please make sure to go and subscribe to our Exponential Africa on our podcast channels or our YouTube channel. Uh, we really, really would appreciate, subscribe and keep watching and learning and making a positive difference in the world. Oh.